Hello, this is Aaron, and welcome back to the podcast, everyone. If you haven't been to American Reformer in a while, I'd encourage you to check out the site. We actually did a refresh on the website not that long ago, so go to AmericanReformer.org. If you're wondering what American Reformer is, it is an organization that is focused on reinvigorating Protestant Christianity in America's uh, political, cultural, and religious life. Uh, we have a journal that's basically our online magazine that's there, edited by Ben Dunson. There's a lot of great content on it, and so I'd encourage you to check it out, particularly if you are a Protestant uh, in the United States. The rest of you could just show us a little love by giving us one click. I also wanted to let you know that for those of you who are in Indianapolis, where I live, there are a bunch of you here, I know, we're going to be doing an event locally, uh, a joint event between American Reformer and First Things Magazine on the 29th. It's going to be on the north side uh, in Carmel. And I'm going to be sending out uh, the info on this through the newsletter later this week. So look for that. Uh, but we're going to be discussing the Three Worlds article. And it's going to be me uh, along with Andrew Walker from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So it's going to be a great discussion, uh, small and intimate. So uh, look forward to that coming out soon. And again, check out AmericanReformer.org. A while back, A.D. Robles put up a video. I don't remember the name of it, uh, so I can't go get a link to it right now. But the focus of it was about how Christian evangelical leaders and organizations use marketing techniques in the material that they put out. And so he showed a couple of videos illustrated a marketing pattern that he called the rags to riches story. And so he showed this guy, I, I can't remember who he was. I think he was some kind of, I kind of get the impression he was a real estate guy, but he was some sort of for-profit guy, runs YouTubes, and he was showed up at his old house in this kind of like commie block looking building where I used to live, and it's dark and gloomy, and then it starts raining, and there's a voiceover. And you kind of hear the story arc of his life coming from that. And then he pulls up another video uh, of John Piper. I think the video was talking about racism and it almost identical in terms of the kind of the lighting, the mood, the rain started coming down, the whole nine yards. And the point was that these videos, these two videos, both employed a common narrative structure, common aesthetic structure, common motifs in order to sell things. Now, for me, I think sales and marketing is completely legitimate, and I hope we are taking advantage of all of the narrative and rhetorical tools that we can. Sales, as I like to say, is a completely legitimate activity if you're selling something legitimate and you really are trying to help the person that you're selling to. You're not trying to rip them off or exploit them in some way. So I'm not saying that I'm negative on that at all. In fact, I'm very positive towards it and would like to do more of it. But one thing that I struggle with is that I can't relate to the way that so many people online tell the story of their life. And so if you've been on the internet, if you've been on Twitter, all of these men's influencers have a sort of narrative. It's a hero's journey narrative or a rags to riches narrative that goes something like this. I was lost. Things went terrible for me. I hit rock bottom. And then I learned 
a new way of living. I got disciplined. I got serious. I turned my life around. I've learned so much. And now look at how amazing my life is. And you too could have a life this amazing if you follow me, if you sign up for my newsletter, if you buy my course, etc. And so it's a classic story. You can't claim to be uh, some kind of a men's guru online unless you've gone through some crucible or some negative experiences or at least had some sort of enlightenment that you now claim to bring to your followers. And so this is just a very common pattern uh, that, that exists in the way people tell the story of their lives. And because we all sort of have ups and downs in our lives, you know, we can all think about how to do that. And I think we should be telling those stories. Uh, I don't really consider myself a men's guru. I talk about men's issues, but I talk about a lot of other issues. You know, I write about public policy. I write about the church. I write about the economy. So I've, I've written about a lot of issues, but I have talked a lot about men's issues, particularly related to the church. And I've shared some tips on things like improving your posture, which I'm trying to be a little better on the on the camera. You know, I'm still not totally where I want to be on camera. I'll look at it that way. Uh, posture, uh, you know, learning how to establish and maintain eye contact, ways to establish morning routines. I've laid out a bunch of practical things, but you may have noticed that I rarely ever justify or sell what I'm trying to do in terms of some sort of personal narrative structure, even though, frankly, my life does sort of match this rags to riches or not as many riches as I might I might like, but this sort of a, uh, you know, uh, hitting rock bottom and going up. I mean, I went through a period of my life, a three-year period of my life, which is horrible. I mean, every single thing that could go wrong did go wrong. I couldn't make anything happen. And then at the end of it, there was a radical transformation in my life. And through some of the things that I learned and some of the insights that I gained, uh, that has informed a lot of the work that I'm doing. The problem that I run into with that is I don't think there's this great formula I came up with, nor was it anything to do with me. So much of what happened to me almost seems random in a sense and that the successes that I had, just like many of the failures that I had, didn't really come about as a result of my own effort. You know, my life has sort of been characterized to some extent by domination by things that were sort of out of, out of my control, outside events, etc. And that's one of the reasons that the work of Nassim Taleb has always resonated with me. You know, when I discovered him, uh, right around the time he wrote Anti-Fragile, you know, he'd at that point written a couple previous books, particularly The Black Swan, which made him famous, but also Fooled by Randomness. And I actually wrote a newsletter. It's newsletter number 14. I think it's called An Anti-Fragile Church, where I talk, go into more detail on the work of Taleb, and I'll probably be writing more about him, because I think it's very profound in a lot of ways, even though he's quite, you know, a character online, and I don't endorse all the ways that he behaves personally or, or everything about him or all of his positions. But he sort of argues and fooled by randomness that, you know, we, we read books like The Millionaire's Next Door, and we think that we can learn the secrets of how to become a millionaire, when in fact, that's really just an artifact of survivorship bias. And like who gets rich and who goes bust, a lot of it is random, in a sense. A lot of it is stochastic, to use the term everyone is today. 
in the Black Swan and in Anti-Fragile, he also talks about how it is these unforeseen and unforeseeable long-tail events that come in like a bolt out of the blue and really shape our world, maybe our lives, in ways that we don't. And I looked at this, and like he's talking about probability and all that, and I'm just saying, wow, that's talking about the sovereignty of God, and it's talking about God's ability to intervene in situations. And so my experience really has not been uh, what I would call the, the typical men's guru, which is all about you need to be more disciplined, you need to be more focused, you know, get up early in the morning and work out, you got to be hustling hard every day, uh, you got to be doing this, that, the other thing. And if you start, you know, again, you start studying these guys, one of the things that I, I really find interesting about them is super hard work, grindstone, putting in more hours is a big theme, yet they all seem to have plenty of leisure time to tweet and they all make it sound like they've almost got a life of leisure in some respects. They're kind of living the dream. Uh, maybe they're post-work, but I do think there's a little bit of bit of incongruence there. I don't see a lot of these guys that look like they have their nose to the grindstone, yeah, you know, 24-7. And again, there's, there's some exceptions. You know, Jocko Willink was a Navy SEAL. That guy really was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and doing his workouts, okay? But, you know, a lot of people, it doesn't really seem, you know, quite real to me. Nevertheless, it's all about taking control of your life, imposing your will on the world, as some people have put it. And if that's been your experience that you've been able to successfully do that, of course, that's the way you're going to talk about the world. But for me, you know, my experience has been that, wow, it's events I didn't foresee, it's things that came in over here that really change things for the better. For example, I'll just give you one example of something that sort of hit me out of the blue. Uh, in 2014, I discovered that I had a magnesium deficiency that had caused a lifelong low-grade depression that I didn't even really know that I had. And so I use this analogy to being like, imagine your vision is 2040. You know, you're not 2020, but you don't need glasses to drive. You function fine in life. As far as you know, your, act, your eyesight's normal. But what you don't realize is you're just very slightly off. And then all of a sudden, you go to the eye doctor, they fit you with some glasses, you put them on, and boom, all of a sudden, everything pops. It's just crisp. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize that I was just slightly off. And it was sort of like that for me. I, you know, I was just a little bit slightly off, a little bit more glass half empty than glass half full. Now, how I came to know that magnesium, that I had a magnesium deficiency, is a long story I don't want to go into. Um, but I will say one of the things that does convince me that it was magnesium is when I started taking magnesium. And secondly, I had no idea that magnesium uh, was could potentially do anything about depression until after it had sort of already, uh, already essentially cured me in a very short period of time. I almost took like a month. It was just a radical lift in mood. It was like a fog just went off of my head for like, wow, I, I feel better. And then all of a sudden, it's sort of been the same way ever since. Uh, it's pretty amazing. So I take 400 milligrams a day of magnesium citrate from Now Foods. That's what I take. And that's the one uh, supplement that I, you know, if I had to pick any one supplement to take, that's the one. Um, but it was something that, you know, I just found a supplement guide. I just started taking it. I didn't even notice that it had to do with depression. Frankly, I didn't even know. I, I mean, I knew I was really down in the dumps at that time. I was at a very kind of a coming out of some low points. I still wasn't in great shape emotionally. But nevertheless, it was like, 
I wasn't expecting, oh, I, I went out and found this stuff. It was almost sort of like I found this little thing, I decided to experiment with it, and it caused some outcome that I wasn't even expecting in the best case scenario. And so how am I supposed to tell somebody to live their life based on that? Yes, I can tell you that magnesium is really good for me, and uh, you know maybe I could recommend magnesium or something like that if, if I were a doctor, which I'm not, so I'm not recommending magnesium. I'm just telling you what I take. Nevertheless, is there really any great, you know, hero's journey in that? I mean, really, no. It just sort of kind of landed on my head out of the sky. And so things like that happen all the time. And I think what that has given me is a little bit of a sense of the way that uh, God's grace uh, operates in the world or does not operate in the world in some cases. Because we can do everything right and disaster can still strike. I um, brought up last week this newsletter that Rod Dreer had written. Uh, Rod, uh, you know, has revealed that you know his wife has filed for divorce, and he's tied a lot of it back to the decision to move back to Louisiana. His sister got cancer. I think this is uh, told in one of his books, like The Way of Ruthie Lemming or something like that. I haven't read that book, but basically. His sister got cancer, and he and his family, they moved back to his hometown in Louisiana, maybe because of that, but then he decided he wanted to kind of re-engage in his hometown and family and all of that, and basically discovered that they didn't want him there. And it sort of turned into like a Waterloo for him personally and destroyed his marriage. And he's, you know, he thinks, he said it in this newsletter, like, I can't help but think and wonder, like, how would my life have been different if I had not moved to Louisiana? And there's a decision that I think most of the people who are listening to this podcast would all say, yeah, thick community, being close to your family, you know, et cetera. Come back, embed in your small town, you know, avoid the bug man's life in the big city, all of that. And so he made a decision that I think most people you know, who are listening here would say that was a great decision to try to, you know, get closer to family, get closer to thick community. And it turned out to be an utter disaster for him. Right? And so that's the truth. Sometimes you do that and it, and it, and it doesn't happen. You know, and I look around and I see people on the internet and see people I know in sort of these, you know, kind of Christian circles. And especially some of these times I see some of these women who are, you know, are, in their 40s and they're single and they don't have kids and they're just really, you can tell that they're just really hurt by that. And I look at them and I say to myself, you know, Aaron, objectively speaking, these people are way more deserving of good things in life than you are. You know, I lived my life in a very bad way for most of it, to be quite honest. And yet, uh, God reached out and sort of knocked me to the ground and really showed me things that needed to be showed and changed my life in a lot of ways that had very little to do with me. And yeah, I see some of these people and I realize like, man, it's obvious that they're making some mistakes in the way that they've been going about living their life that have interfered with the way uh, that some of their objectives around wanting, you know, to get married and have kids. I'm like, why didn't that ever get revealed to them? Why didn't something work out for them? Why did it work out for me when I'm less deserving? And so I think there's, you know, you realize about that, that there's the old saying, you know, there for the grace of God go I. 
And so often, I think we want to attribute to our own hard work and our own best planning and our own heroic efforts that I overcame, I did these things, when in reality, uh, even when it seems to be the case, we have been the beneficiary of so much good fortune and sort of providential ordering of circumstances. It would very easily be the case that we could have done all the same things that one of these gurus did to reach success, and it would have destroyed our life. And so there is this element. Life is not, you know, an if-then statement. It's not a if I do this, then this good thing will happen. I do believe, as we see in the book of Proverbs, there's wise ways to live and unwise ways to live. And there are sort of principles that we can say are generally good principles, uh, but they could turn out to be uh, very bad. Uh, I think it was Michael Foster tweeted the other days, uh, you know, a quiver full of broken arrows is not a blessing. And, you know, that's truth. You can't take some of these statements and some of these principles and think that you can apply them in a mechanistic manner and necessarily get results. And I think for some of these gurus who really did have that experience, because I think for some of them it's, it's genuine, I don't think it's totally manufactured. Their experience was, yes, I started doing X, Y, and Z. I pulled myself up by my bookstraps. I did these things and things went well for me. They can kind of authentically tell that narrative in you know, a powerful way. But for me to sort of tell that same narrative I just couldn't do it because my experience has, has been so radically uh, different. And so, I think, again, from a marketing perspective, it's certainly legitimate to use these narratives in order to sell things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with using the hero's journey, right, or the rags to riches story as a marketing story. You know, I referenced, or actually, uh, Ken Aquar referenced in his uh, article, that was not me, by the way, you could tell by the writing style, that was not actually me uh, writing about the heroic feminine. He talked about, you know, Joseph Campbell, the hero with a thousand faces, the monomyth, all of that, this sort of archetypal, you know, hero's journey story. The reason that everything resonates with us is precisely because there's something primal about this way of thinking to um, you know, the human species and the way that we operate. Uh, but I, I struggle, I struggle to do it for myself because, again, it's not been my experience. And so I think it's good to do, I think it's great, you know, great to use those narrative patterns, but I also think that we need to be careful. And one of the challenges that I've always had with the self-improvement literature is it's just that, self-improvement. It's this idea, if you seize control of your own destiny, if you become the hero, if you take these actions, then you, with enough persistence, can get to the other side. And again, I'm all in favor of many of the things that they say to do, but this sort of conception that it's all up to you and that there's a sort of if-then logic to it, I just haven't, you know, I just can't, it just doesn't resonate with me. And I think we all have to have a little humility in life and be conscious of the ways in which so many, uh, you know, so many things going right that we never think about are the underpinnings uh, of our success. 
you know, even the so many of the things that I can say are, are due to me, I could say, well, why am I here where I am today? Well, I had good genes, you know, and as a result, I had high kind of native intelligence. Uh, you know, I had basically good, you know, upbringing. I mean, I wouldn't say my, you know, my parenting, my parents wasn't perfect. I, I came from a divorced home. So there were, there were things there, but basically like I wasn't in some horrible chaotic situation, raised in a church, et cetera. And then all these things that went right, you know, I, I didn't get cancer. You know, I didn't uh, have the things that could have killed me or ruined my life. They didn't do that. You know, every day we cross the street, something terrible could happen, and it didn't. And we lose sight of the fact that there is an element of grace involved in that. There's an element of sort of, you know, divine sovereignty. Or if you prefer to talk about randomness and black swans, uh, of course, uh, please do. But I just think you look, when you contemplate it and you think about it and you see that these are uh, distributed often in no ways according to what we might think of of merit, you start to get a sense of kind of the awesomeness uh, of that and, and, and especially uh, God's dealings with us. And I think we, we ought to be humble about our ability to control the future, to shape our own destiny. So I don't know why I even wanted to bring this up but probably because I referenced the hero's journey uh, in that uh, in the most recent newsletter that I reposted, and then also because of you know what Rod mentioned about man, I never should have gone to Louisiana. Basically, it goes to show that you know the, this stuff you know it, it affects real life in a, in a powerful way, and we shouldn't come away with simplistic notions and especially you know assign ourselves too much centrality. Uh, in the story. We are not the hero uh, that we think that we are. So if the hero's journey resonates with you and you can use it for marketing, by all means, go ahead. I think it's totally legitimate. But for me, I just really struggled to do that. I don't want to hold myself up as this expert guide to how to live your life. Let me tell you what I did to have this amazing life that I had. And then you can, you know, buy my course and all of that. And you can too can have this amazing life that I lived. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with buying a course. Maybe I'll sell you guys a course uh, at some point. But, you know, I just, I just find that, that that always does not resonate with me. And whenever I hear something uh, like a Rod, what Rod's story, it always reminds me kind of the minority report on that stuff. And you realize, yeah, the world is a lot more complex uh, and in many ways a lot more broken, uh, a lot more fallen than we like to give it credit for. So... Something to contemplate, uh, a couple takeaways I would just say for this. One is to be aware of the way that hero's journey or rags to riches narrative structures are being used to sell you stuff and market things and tell people. Uh, you can often see this uh, very easily in kind of things that you get. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but you have to realize that is a marketing technique. Secondly, you could potentially tell a story like that to help yourself in marketing. And I guess the third thing is not to really believe the hype on some of that stuff because the truth is that the world is way more, uh, to take another uh, emerging dreerism, enchanted than we like to think. It's uh, There's a lot of crazy things going on that can happen to us at any time for good or ill. And we have to be remember that ultimately it's going to be the grace of God that's going to determine 
uh, whether things uh, succeed or fail. As it says, I think it's in the Psalms, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And we need to keep that in mind, even as we legitimately operate and try to carry out and execute plans in the world, we need to remember that unless the Lord does build that house, it doesn't matter (laughs) what you do. You're not going to get anywhere on it. So thank you for listening, and I will talk to you again next week.